0: What's everyone? Welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk all things Web3. Uh, super excited to have on Matthew Liu here on today, co-founder of Origins Protocol, also one of the driving forces behind many products at YouTube. Uh, before we jump into things, firstly, I want to thank you for changing uh, my family's life. My brother-in-law, uh, who I will name drop, he's, uh, he's built his career on YouTube. It's, uh, he's Kurt, uh, Hugo Schneider. Uh, also myself, I last year I divested my own YouTube channel. Uh, So it was really meaningful to me and my family. I know you're one of the early pioneers there. Uh, And it's such a powerful, meaningful platform that, you know, must have been tough to top. So, you know, tell us what you've been doing since then that kind of led you to develop uh, Origin Protocol.
1: Yeah, yeah. First of all, I just want to say that's uh, totally undeserved, right? YouTube was a phenomenal startup that required, you know, the very, very hard work of, you know, the two founders, Chad Hurley, Steve Chen, uh, who still continue to mentor me a bit today, but also just like a nice. much larger uh, team. So, um, you know, everyone kind of deserves the credit there. But I'm glad you had such a wonderful experience being a creator on uh, YouTube. And uh, you're right. Um, it took a really, really long time to find something that was um, equally as exciting and potentially transformative as my Uh, experience at YouTube. Um, I was really spoiled, right? I joined YouTube Hmm. right out of grad school, um, was the earliest employee there for a while, um, um, was one of the earliest product managers and really got to see how um, this transformative technology as well as changing social paradigms, right? This concept of user generated content and everyone can be a creator um, has really, really changed the world. And um, now YouTube is obviously um, a hugely massive business, right? You know, billions and billions of dollars of advertising revenue every year. But I think even more so is like the the impact that it's had, right? Um, Billions of people use YouTube. It teaches them how to do things. It entertains them. um, It gives creators an outlet to, um, you know, create their work and monetize their work. Um, It just creates a really great platform for um, a bunch of people all over the world to connect um, in a different way. And so that was like an amazingly wonderful experience. And then I spent probably, you know, 10 years or so after YouTube, trying to find um, something that would kind of captivate my attention in the same way, right? And so I worked at a number right. of other startups, um, started a couple of my own um, businesses. They ended up being more, I would say, like lifestyle businesses, right? So generating cash flow, but uh, not necessarily transforming technology. Um, and uh, it was really when um, I went all in uh, with blockchain and cryptocurrencies. I was mm-hmm. like, hey, this is the next thing, right? Right. This is going to empower people um, in, uh, again, a hugely transformative way. Um, it's not just you know a very niche thing, even though it might start very niche, but at some point this is going to be something that's used by billions of people right. um, and transform the way that people interact with finance and also uh, even creators, right? With NFTs and stuff now and where yeah. that will go. Um, and also just uh, empower freedom of speech and like expression. And um, there's just so much that can be done with these uh, decentralized technologies. And again, and coupled couple of the technologies are also the changing social paradigms, right? How do you make things a little bit more open, more permissionless, right? Um, break away from kind of the established order and, um, you know, create these new um, systems that can kind of live on their own uh, forever on the blockchain. So um, that's kind of like the overall story arc. Um, I was very fortunate to um, almost like accidentally get into the Ethereum community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 2014, I saw someone that was like smarter than myself say, hey, like there's this new thing that... Um, is launching. might be the next Bitcoin. It's called Ethereum. I was like, don't know anything about it, but sure, I'm going to throw some money in it, right? Um, so that was when uh, Ethereum was doing its ICO, and I think ETH was like 25 wow. cents in ETH or something. <laughs> um, didn't throw that much money into it. I wish I did uh, a much larger chunk, but um, obviously Ethereum has evolved quite a bit um, since those very early days. And as it started evolving, and I saw the developer community and some of the technology advancements, that's when in 2016, uh, I decided to go all in, right? And so mm-hmm. we um, sold off one of our businesses. Uh, we shut down another one. Um, um, well, well, we kept it running, but we we stopped working on it. Uh, and then Josh, my co-founder and I just uh, went all in uh, and we started uh, first just like trading cryptocurrencies, right? And um, understanding that mentality, built our own portfolio management tools, some algorithmic trading bots, et cetera. And then it's like you know what, like let's take the next step, right? We want to actually have much more impact in this space and build something people mm-hmm. use. And so that was the genesis of Origin.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow, you, you definitely touched on a few pieces there that uh, we'll dive deeper into. Uh, yeah. Origin, I think a lot of uh, people, uh, like myself, are, are new to it. Um, and sure. you chose kind of an int- I want to say interesting route, but maybe you explain to me. It's a it's a layer two, correct? It's on your theorem, It's built on your theorem. Uh, It's not a layer two, right? It's It's a set of
1: protocols uh, that are built on Ethereum, but it's not, um, it's not a layer two like scaling solution. Um, Yeah. Um, At least not yet. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. When, when I first saw the DeFi kind of headline and NFT, I I kind of took that as, you know, hey, they're like, you know, like a polygon of sorts of having your own native token. How does that mix, and how does that? Cut? You may, maybe explain to us how yeah, um, that works. I,
1: I can I can walk you through how all that works, right? Yeah. So um, we started Origin in 2017, right? And, and truth be told, um, our original vision, um, you know, was way too early for its time, right? Hmm. And so we were trying to build a marketplace for everything, allow people to buy and sell anything on chain. Um, NFTs weren't really a thing then. If they were, hmm. I think um, that that would have been. Um, you know, a much better timing for our vision. Um, so as a result, we ended up, you know, having to uh, explore and pivot a bit um, throughout the years, right? And so um, there was that big crypto bear market in 2018, 2019, oh, yeah. where a lot of people thought crypto was dead. But we're like, we're going to keep building. We're going to try to find out um, what can actually be useful to the world, right? Um, and then we actually started running some of these experiments in uh, DeFi and NFTs. Um, right when kind of like activity was picking up for both of them, right? Mm. And uh, we started with uh, OUSD on the DeFi side and then um, the original uh, NFT product, which now has become Origin Story. um, Those were kind of like early during those two waves, right? Mm. Um, And fortunately for us, um, you know, 2021 we realized like both businesses were working right um so with uh, origin story the nft platform you know we were working with top celebrities and influencers paris hilton uh joined right. as an advisor and investor we were working with um all these uh, music producers uh we were working with nft artists uh, we even did a collaboration with um um inspiration for and spacex uh their first like mm. um uh, uh, you know, civilian space flight, uh, to do NFTs there. And then on the DeFi nice. side, our OUSD product was, um, you know, serving, you know, thousands of users, you know, total AUM was around $300 million. Um, and so we kind of decided that we were going to actually build this, um, uh, multiple business lines under the origin uh, umbrella. And so now we have the NFT business, right, that has its token OGN. And then we have the DeFi business um, that has its uh, governance of value accrual token um, OGV. Um, mm-hmm. And it's still it's still like one company, uh, but we run pretty autonomously. Um, we have a fully remote and distributed team. Um, uh, you know, the majority of our code is open source. We have contributors from all around the world. And so we're really trying to build up this like um, origin ecosystem. Um, and, um, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, right? Like we have to make sure our current business lines are um, highly successful in the next few years, but, um, ultimately, you know, five years from now in a, um, ideal scenario, uh, we would almost have like a, a suite of different products that we built that have a uh, tremendous impact, impact on users' lives, right? So almost like a Alphabet with, you know, Google and mm. et cetera, et cetera, or like a Meta with this different business units. Obviously, we're much smaller, we're much earlier in the process. Uh, we haven't proven ourselves um, to the same levels of these uh, kind of like Web2 um, uh, winners, right? right? But um, we do want to figure out the right products, the right use cases, the little real value. Um, I think that's something that we're really focused on, like long-term utility and impact, um, hoping to get to, you know, hundreds of millions of users at some point.
0: Yeah, I I saw that. That's kind of one of the the missions is to onboard a lot of people. And when I saw DeFi, I'm like, that kind of is like a different language than the average lay person. So I was curious to see if you have found a Implementation, you know, between the yeah. influencers that you mentioned um, with the DeFi, so that's that was my first thought. Like, oh wow, they found a very interesting way to kind of initiate and activate DeFi with NFTs. Let me let me dive into this, but it's, it's kind of siloed for now, right? Um, yeah. So that's pretty cool, and you have these different business segments, and you're going to expand upon that. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I
1: will say that, like, you know, today what we focus on is like how do we make this like easier um, for people, right. right? So our DeFi products are definitely. Um, I would say simpler to use and maybe less uh, degen, as, as people would say mm-hmm. in crypto. Right? It's not about trying to uh, make the most money in the shortest amount of time possible sure. and then go from like opportunity to opportunity with these opportunities, uh, you know, disappearing. It's much more around safety, security, ease of use, sustainability. Right? Um, yeah. So our two products, um, OUSD and OETH, um, they're essentially um, really easy to use products. Right? OETH actually just launched uh, two days ago. It's a brand mm-hmm. new product. Oh, wow. and, and the idea is like earn yield as fast as you can on Ethereum, um, but in a safe and secure way, right? So let's say I send you 1,000 OETH today. Um, at the end of the year, you might have 1,100 OETH and you wouldn't have to mm-hmm. do anything, right? Mm-hmm. The OETH just sits in your uh, wallet, it's self custodial, but it's earning a yield, um, currently at 12% a year right now, um, based on what the underlying protocol does, right? And so... Unlike in other DeFi protocols where you have to potentially, you know, stake or unstake, you might have sure. to like manage your uh, LP position, or you might have to move from chain to chain to get the yields. Um, we're taking a path like, hey, this is a dead simple product. Um, with OETH, you earn ETH as fast as you can. Don't have to do anything. OUSD, it's um, USD denominated, so it's like savings, mm-hmm. right? So it's almost like having a high yield savings account uh, on chain where you just set and forget and let it grow for you. So. Um, that's kind of where we tried to make DeFi as simple as possible. And mm-hmm, then on the mm-hmm. NFT side, it's like, how do we create the right creator tools to enable all these different NFT creators and projects, et cetera, to be successful in building up their own ecosystems? Um, and so this part you know, definitely aligns a lot with um, some of my early experience at YouTube and working with creators there uh, and helping build some of the tool sets uh, so that they could build their businesses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a new concept that I believe everyone, not only creators, influencers, um just this whole notion of being your own bank and and yeah. to your point, you know, making it simple and having these safeguards in place is something that the previous generation had didn't have to deal with, right? Even when yeah, you're yeah. creating YouTube, there wasn't this, you know, uh owning your own bank kind of ethos, uh um, right. and being your own boss and you know, um democratizing or decentralizing everything. I'm sorry. So, yeah. you know, se- security is definitely top of mind for myself. I work in Silicon Valley, like strategic yeah. management for um don't uh, high-profile domain name portfolios for like fortune 500 companies so, yeah. so security is something that not many companies think about let alone individuals and just to segue a tiny bit from nfts although this is nft podcast uh, yeah. i'm sure you heard the news you know ledger release a recovery yeah. <laughs> seed process what's your thoughts on that because you know you're dealing with defi and nft assets um what's your thoughts on the recovery seed process you know uh, uh, yeah it's one of your general thought because this news just came out like a day ago
1: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a huge controversy right now. Right. And <laughs> yeah. um, I think um, th- there's two camps really. Right. And I'm, I'm still trying to form, um, you know, a strong opinion as to, you know, where um, I think the truth is. And I, I do think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Right. Okay. Um, so, so, so the big like outcry from the community is like, wait a minute, like Ledger has, you know, a backdoor to be able to Um, kind of like C or C phrases, right? It's not just like um, um, completely um, secure on the device. Um, But then um, at the same time, it it kind of is, right? This is what it's like been from the very beginning, right? Mm. Um, Ledger has had to have been able to upgrade their firmware so that uh, you can continue to support um, the chains that you're using on Ledger devices um, as those chains get upgraded, right? So when Ethereum went from proof of work to proof of stake, right, there were necessary like software upgrades, um, that uh, you know kind of had the same type of security considerations that uh, were announced recently with this you know social recovery thing right and so had this software not been built this way and this firmware and the hardware been built this way, um, when ethereum moved from proof of work to proof of stake like uh, I believe Ledger would not work anymore, right? Mm. Or uh, you know, with the launch of a new chain, right? Let's say uh, uh, in the early days you had Ledger for like Bitcoin and Ethereum, but um, you didn't for uh, Avalanche, right? Avalanche is sure. a slightly newer chain, right? Um, or you mentioned Polygon earlier, right? And so without those like um, firmware um, upgrade capabilities those ledgers would not be compatible with these chains. Right. And you would have to like essentially get new ledgers every single time that a chain upgrades. Um, and so I think there is, um, there's kind of like almost like a wake up call where people didn't realize that this was necessary in order for the user experience Mm -hmm. to actually have a ledger Mm -hmm. that's compatible with upgrades and new chains. Um, and so I think there's a huge surprise here. Um, I do think there is some risk, right? Because it does mean that, um, um, there is, you know non-trivial possibility that um, this could this could happen um, where an attacker might be able to get through your seed phrases but I do think it's a very low probability mm-hmm. right um, and so um, I guess the jury is kind of out. Um, my advice would be um, if you're truly worried about a lot of these things um, if you have a lot of funds put them in like a multi-sig right and then that requires mm-hmm. multiple signers um, um, even if it's you know you have multiple devices that are signing, uh, before, um, stuff goes out. Right. So that's one solution. Another is to diversify. Right. So I have, you know, many ledgers uh, for different purposes, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, might as well get some treasures, right. Might as well get some yeah. other alternatives so that like, um, um, you kind of like diversify that risk a little bit. Um, and I do think that, um, a lot of this is a terrible communication job by ledger, right. As of what mm. is actually happening. And so I think a lot of people are confused about it and, um, definitely freaking out, um, um and so um yeah, I, I have to study a little bit more. Uh, my personal plan um doesn't change that much, right? Like I have a lot of um you know, I split funds into a lot of different places sure. so that there is one given compromise, it doesn't um completely ruin me. Um and then mm-hmm. um the majority of my like most important funds, right, um are locked behind uh multi-six like Gnosis safes, yeah. right? And so um, transferring those funds require multiple signings from multiple devices, and so um, in the event that there's a compromise of one device, um, at least the others um, have not been right. And so um, that's another added layer, right, of redundancy for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, best practices are not well practiced at all in, within the yeah. industry, especially for the average person. So thank you yeah. for your input on that. It was just so fresh that I had to ask, and yeah, you know, of course. We're kind of skewed from topic. <laughs> so. Uh, being more of an NFT focused uh, channel that we are, sure. Uh, the NFT side, the new creator influencer economy. I mean, you've seen this firsthand with YouTube. I mean, you yeah. were there from the get go. Uh, it's it's only going to continue. It's only going to proliferate, and more services will be are catered towards influencers or creators nowadays. And you're you've created and you worked with some of the biggest NFT drops to date with Three Loud, like you mentioned, Paris Hilton. What's well, some yeah. of the biggest feedback uh, from the bespoke marketplaces th- that you've gotten from either creators or people utilizing it?
1: Yeah, so um, there's like, I think, a multitude uh, of things that's going on right now, right? Um, so um, one, I will say that like NFTs are in their infancy, right? Um, yeah. As excited as we are today, I think we're going to be way more excited 10 years from now <laughs> when NFTs like wrap all these different types of assets, right? And right now it's mm-hmm. mostly like digital art or these like, you know, PFP avatar projects. And really, people are buying and selling NFTs with, like, a um, you know, kind of like an uh, expectation of making money, right? Hmm. Um, But I think later on in the cycle, we're going to see NFTs with all this different type of utility, right? So, NFTs will represent uh, in game items, it'll represent real world assets, it'll represent tickets and access passes, Um, it might represent um, uh, almost like identity attestations, right? Like an NFT that Um, can, you know, show like where you went to school or what uh, job you worked at, or, you know, some third party verifies your credit score, right? And so all these different things will happen with NFTs that make them more useful and more ubiquitous, but people might not actually realize their NFTs, right? Um, So I think that's where we're going in the long-term future. Um, I think in the short term, some of the feedback that we're seeing in the market is that uh, there are, um, you know, um, different parts of the... uh, um, funnel that, that tooling and infrastructure needs to be built for. Right. So there's like Mm -hmm. primary mints, right. How do I actually issue my NFTs? Then there's things like secondary, uh, sales, right. Marketplaces. Then there's like engagement tools and how do I re-engage my community, keep them excited. How do I do follow on things, right. How do I incentivize them, um, et cetera. And so I think there's gonna be like a full set of, um, um, products and tools, uh, by ourselves, but also by other people to kind of fill these different gaps. Right. Um, specifically to marketplaces, which is, you know, kind of uh, where we're pushing right now, these creator-focused, brand-focused marketplaces, um, you can think of it as almost like um, uh, an Amazon versus Shopify analogy, right? Mm -hmm. So um, in the Web2 world, e-commerce, there's Amazon, right? It's an aggregator. It aggregates uh, a bunch of sellers and then sells uh, to consumers. And those sellers, like, they don't really have that much control, right? They put their, like, product listing data... But um, it's not really a unique experience. They don't really have a direct relationship with those customers. Um, that's an aggregator model. Then you have the Shopify model, which is, um, you know, what's more of like a platform model, right? Shopify mm-hmm. is a technology platform that allows merchants to create their own mm-hmm. storefronts, to maintain direct relationships with their customers, to customize their stores. Um, they have a developer API, and app platform that allows these stores to become more customized, have special features, have different, like, um, pricing models, um, you know, adding different widgets and etc. Right. And so these are two very different paradigms. And I think yeah. both are going to end up existing in the world of NFTs. Right. And so uh, the aggregator model, that's where we see the companies like OpenSea and Blur. And that's mm-hmm. where uh, most of the trading activity is right now. Right. Because um, um, those those companies are, number one, quite successful. They've they figured out um, their mechanics. Um, but also the NFTs that they're selling are Um, I would say they're pretty vanilla, right? They have different artwork um, and and, and traits and things like that, but they're actually pretty similar in in, in what they're supposed to do, right? Um, They're just kind of like these visual representations and people are uh, investing in them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we think the future uh, holds a world where the Amazon model and the Shopify model can coexist just like it does in the Web2 world, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But why do you need kind of the Shopify model for NFTs? Uh, well, number one, creators want more control, right? So yeah. um, they want to be able to uh, control things like branding, right? They want to make sure that um, there aren't scams, right? Um, uh, people aren't faking collections, right? And they want right. to make sure that they can enforce creator royalties or other you know, specific features related to their NFTs. And the aggregators are ignoring that, right? Like Blur and OpenSea, it's like, hey, royalties are optional at 0.5% now, right? And so it's kind of anti-creator um, to a certain extent. And they also treat all those NFTs the same. Um, Whereas in a Shopify model, right, um, using our our, our technology or some other players' technology, you can display your NFTs in a different way, right? And our NFT should be displayed differently than a ticket NFT in the future, right? We recently did a deal Mm -hmm. um, with Roofstock and they're selling homes, like actual physical homes um, that are tied to NFTs. And when you buy the NFT, then you're essentially buying a house, right? That should be a very, very different experience, right, than... Uh, Buying uh, PFP on OpenSea, right? Um, And so there's going to be this necessary, like uh, almost like enhanced functionality for specific use cases and verticals. And, um, you know, in the real estate case, like they require buyers and sellers to be uh, approved offline in an offline legal process, right? And so that's something OpenSea will never um, add to their future set, right? Uh, Or you can imagine a uh, in the future, you know, uh, you know, a marketplace that's embedded into like a AAA game, right? Well, the game is going to want like an SDK uh, where that marketplace um, can be launched within the game and have great look and feel and branding and be cohesive with the game. Um, they, they prefer that over their users leaving the game and going to blur to buy like a in-game sword and then bringing that back into the game. Right. And so, uh, because of, I think these, uh, new utility cases that we're going to see again, whether that's game or real world assets like real estate or ticketing, uh, or access passes or some of this stuff around like digital identities, um, these use cases are going to require unique, um, user experiences um, that can be built on common like a common technology platform just like shopify is a common technology platform right but then mm-hmm. the add-ons the bells and whistles the uh, customizations and enhancements um, that's going to be necessary to, to really uh, uh, fulfill those use cases
0: absolutely there's so much to unpack there uh, so much great stuff for community members and collectors like myself yeah and and also for creators and just taking roofstock as example I mean, they, they are, I haven't looked into it deeply, but most, you know, real estate transactions happening through the blockchain is under the form of LLC. Um, yeah. But, you know, not diving too deep. Are we waiting for just overall, like general regulation here before we can really get into kind of like the intricacies of it? Because I can see, you know, not only through real estate, but, you know, having DeFi or even NFTs within um, the real estate example really help individuals like myself in terms of investing and having an open marketplace. Yeah. Um, I mean, is every industry different? Like what? Because there's so much that can be implemented, right? I'm sure you see this across so many different verticals. Uh, what's yeah. kind of holding us back, um, or is it nothing's holding us back? We just kind of have to circumvent the law right now. Well, well, I hope the law's not listening into this podcast. But <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, no, I think there's uh, quite a few challenges before we get to this yeah. future state of the world. Right? Um, none of them are unsolvable. Um, they're just going to require hard work, uh, time, and effort. Right. Um, so part of it is, um, you know, regulatory or legal related, depending on, you know, the asset, right? Like when you buy and sell a home, there's like federal laws and, uh, uh, local laws that are different from region to region. Right. Um, um, and so that, that's one potential piece Mm -hmm. of it. If you're going to be like, um, using NFTs to represent like commodities or even in a future world, like equities or something like that, there's definitely some regulatory considerations there. Now there are other categories where, um, regulatory shouldn't really come into play, right? Let's say like Mm -hmm. gaming, um, or ticketing, uh, things like that. Um, but therein, I think it's more of like a, a technology innovation as well as user adoption issue, right? Um, NFTs are still pretty niche, right? In the grand scheme of things, even though there was like this huge uh, NFT spring in 2021 where everyone was learning about them. Um, But the number of like active wallets trading NFTs um, is still rather small, right? And the power users number are kind of like in the hundreds and then like the overall users, you know, hundreds of thousands, etc. But I think we need adoption of uh, crypto in general, of web 3 wallets and of NFTs to go a little bit broader before some of those use cases really make sense, right? Because the market size needs to be big enough if you're building like an NFT ticketing platform, right? Or um, an NFT platform for real estate, et cetera. And so I think that is going to take a little bit of time. Um, Now, there's also some innovations that should be happening with NFTs just on like the technology side that um, haven't quite happened yet, right? How do you make NFTs like easier to use and more flexible and Mm -hmm. um, have more logic, right? Um, NFTs are um, frankly like, they're pretty um, pedestrian, right? But there are some new like, Uh, EIP standards being uh, put forward um, and uh, uh, I guess like new ways of thinking about NFTs, right? Um, Whether there's, um, you know, um, there's like 6551 is a new EIP being proposed that allows NFTs to essentially like control other assets right mm. and so an nft can own other nfts right and that can wow. be really interesting in like a gaming context right so your your character nft could own like a hat and a sword and whatever mm-hmm. right and that can all be kind of transferred in a single bundle and so rather than me sending like individual pieces my character to you if i'm selling it's like i sell my entire character and the character sets mm-hmm. items to you in one transaction right and so there's this concept of nft bundling uh, but there's also stuff like hey an nft can be used for Um, DAO governance, right? Um, If you hold this NFT, then you can actually participate um, and help govern a DAO based on on on-chain smart contracts, right? Um, Stuff like that is being built out and that's super interesting because then that makes the NFT more powerful, right? It's not just um, um, kind of like this piece of artwork. It's almost like a a key, right? And if you hold Uh the NFT, you have the key to, um, you know, a DAO or a treasury or, you know, a set of smart contracts that can um, do stuff. And so, um there are concepts right now being explored where like an nft can own um, and you know uh, erc20 tokens right and so um, let's say i have this nft and it represents you know 100,000 usdc uh, on the back end if i send you this nft all of a sudden you also get control of the 100,000 usdc right that's a pretty interesting and novel use case that we haven't really seen play out yet but once these things start playing out like you can imagine the combinatorics and the permutations where ANCs can start doing all these cool things. Um, And so I think those are some of the things that are um, super interesting as well. The, um, the user abstraction EIP four three three seven is like super interesting um, that, you know, allows users to kind of uh, do things like social recovery of wallets, right? Or Mm -hmm. time locks on their wallets or um, smart contracts that can self execute without requiring a user like, poking it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So um, these things get really interesting, right? It allows for gasless transactions or uh, meta transactions where a developer or third party is paying gas on behalf of the user. And that makes the user experience much smoother and less intimidating. And so I think as all these things start getting maturity and start getting adoption, um, you're gonna see that um, interacting with the blockchain is gonna feel, um, you know, not exactly like interacting with the Web2 app, but a little bit closer, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to have as much complexity around having to memorize your seed phrases and um, the, the wallet experiences are going to be better and uh, the things that you can do with um, your wallets are going to be more sophisticated. So that's all happening in the next couple of years, yeah. right? So wow. I think it's be really,
0: really uh, exciting. Yeah, it sounds like you have the most experience to lead the way here, you know, being a product manager at YouTube at the early stages. So I'm going to look for you to solve all these problems that you mentioned. <laughs> Uh, wow, it's not.
1: It's definitely not just me. It's like a community-driven effort, yeah. right? And so um, one of the great things about crypto is like a lot of stuff is open source and people release yeah. these building blocks and then other people build on top of these building blocks. It's a bigger building blocks and other people use that, right? So there's this concept of composability and it's, um, you know, forking someone's code, which in, you know, mm-hmm. a Web2 world might be seen as, oh, you're, you're stealing someone's IP, right? Well, sure. forking someone's code in Web3 is actually very much encouraged, right? Mm-hmm. It allows for... Um, people will build off of each other's work and experiment faster. So I, I think that's where it all comes together
0: um, and it makes Web3 really, really powerful. Definitely very powerful. I mean, we don't know a company without a Web3 division now. And you might have some insight because you have, you know, probably connections still on YouTube. And then I was shocked when Instagram pulled their kind of NFT initiative. Uh, yeah. I was, I was super excited to, you know, test that platform if they're going to launch it because I just imagine you know, how, how much the community would enjoy it. Like I would love mm-hmm. to own a LeBron, a, Le, a Steph Curry, I'm sorry, LeBron James yeah. LA. I'm born in a bit. <laughs> I would love to own a Steph Curry post. You know, maybe he's, he's yeah. launching, he, he posts a post and there's only 500 of those. I would sure. love to purchase one of those. Like I can't believe that they kind of pulled the plug early and maybe they're not, they're just working behind the scenes. Like you mentioned, right? There's so much that they, they can do, um, that you probably have insight on also.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, oftentimes with these larger tech companies, um, there's like multiple iterations and sometimes they don't get it right. Right. And sometimes it's Mm. easier for startups that are really in the weeds that are talking to customers that are at the cutting edge to do more, even if um, they have less resources, right. Less people, less money. Um, But there's that like maniacal focus on the industry or the problem at hand. And so, you know, companies like meta or um, alphabet, right. Um, Um, there are certain areas where they're not going to be as innovative. And then there's other areas where they're going to be, you know, very dominant, right? Like, um, you know, Apple and Google for the smartphone wars, right? Like, well, it's really hard for a startup to compete there because you need the network effects and the distribution channels and like the supply chain um, to, to build the hardware uh, and also the expertise to build operating systems. And so it's like this very, very, like vertical bundled thing, but um, in terms of NFTs, because it's open, it's like, um, and there's like these set standards and like, Anyone can use them. I think some of the most interesting use cases are going to come from not the established tech players, but probably startups that are just starting now or that we've never even heard about. Um, hopefully, you know, we at Origin can be one of those players in a couple of years where everyone knows about us at that point. Uh, but right now, we're still a startup, right?
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, two last questions here for you. Uh, we know a couple of hot trends that came about. Just want your thoughts on it since you're in this space so deeply. Yeah. Bitcoin, Bitcoin NFTs, BRC20. You know, are they here to stay? Is it just kind of a flash in the pan? What's your thoughts on that? Um, So
1: I think they're here to stay.
0: Um, uh, Number one,
1: um, I I think that the Bitcoin blockchain is always going to be here, right? It was the first one. Um, There's a lot of value on that chain. And there's a lot of like, you know, old time PTC holders that want to see that chain uh, be successful. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so I think like, you know, this new innovation with like ordinals inscriptions and, um, you know, BRC 20 is innovative, right? Um, And so I think it's here to stay. Um, Current data shows that it's growing pretty quickly. Um, So I would say I'm like cautiously bullish on it. Um, That being said, I still think that, you know, the the lack of, you know, um, kind of thinking about smart contracts and, you know, uh, building developer dApps from the outset means BTC is like a legacy chain, right? Like the mm-hmm. way that um, ERC-20 is created is like very hacky, right? Um, it's very, very <laughs> different than ERC-20 on the Ethereum chain or, you know, the, the other, um, yeah. you know, whatever, right? Um, where it's actually well thought out and constructed from like the baseline foundation. And mm-hmm. so I, I think Bitcoin stuff is here to stay. It's going to grow. Uh, but I think stuff that's on Ethereum or EVM compatible chains, um, there's going to be more innovation for NFTs there, right? They just have like a a start advantage in terms of like how to build smart contracts, how to upgrade smart contracts, how to create new standards um, that can tie in different smart contracts or whatever it may be versus all the BTC stuff. It's like, oh, we got to hack it together, right? We have to find kind of like a way to like fit it into uh, the way that the blockchain works, but there isn't this like, well-developed infrastructure. So um, I think BTC stuff will stick around. It'll grow. Um, Probably not a bad investment if you get in now um, early enough. But I think the future in terms of like um, where NFTs are really prevalent and touching, you know, hundreds of millions of users' lives is probably going to be Ethereum and, uh, you know, layer twos um, uh, and then maybe some
0: alternate layer ones as well. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely agree there and, and appreciate your input there. Uh, Another hot topic that's, you know, I'm sure every company now has an AI division of sorts. They have a web three and AI division. I'm sure everyone's just getting ran down to the wire thinking about these two things. (laughs) So we know the well, we don't yet know the implications of AI. I mean, I was just talking to my wife the other day that, Hey, you got to be careful of your job and she's a pharmacist. And I I believe one day it will overtake, you know, even a job like a pharmacist. So what's kind of, you know, been, if there is a trend within NFT or DeFi space, or or, or if it's even too confusing, I see it really empowering, you know, building metaverses and whatnot, but what's kind of like your general thoughts on AI? Uh, Because we have two emerging technologies at a time where, you know, most people don't understand either of them. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. I have quite a few thoughts here, right? So number one, I think AI is absolutely transformative, right? I've been playing around with it myself. Uh, I think most people have been playing with like the chat bots, right? ChatGPT, mm-hmm. Google Bard, and even that is, you know, um, solving, I think, a lot of daily problems, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I actually use ChatGPT to replace Stack Overflow, right? It's easier to like um, understand code, have it interpret stuff, give you advice, um, or tell you how to like build something a certain way than it is to browse Stack Overflow, which is what I was using like five years ago, right? So um, that's an example, I think, where it's like super powerful. But also if you think about it, what it's really doing is enhancing um, uh, the ability of an engineer versus like, oh, it's outright replacing it to start, right? Um, And then I've used other stuff too where it takes it to the next level, right? Um, There's a really cool AI project called AutoGPT um, that still uses the OpenAI API, but it's created these modules um, and that thing can actually write code, right? And so I can give it a mm-hmm. command and say, I want you to do this thing. And it will start writing like different Python scripts, try to execute them and then deliver an end product. Um, it's still really buggy and basic, but I, I think uh, you know, over the next like year or so, it's going to um, iterate quite quickly and then um, um, be quite mm-hmm. useful, right? And so I do think that uh, a lot of people that don't embrace the technology are at risk. Uh, mm-hmm. Not just, you know, a pharmacist or like a copywriter or, uh, but even like, um, you know, kind of like junior level engineers, but the people that mm-hmm. learn how to embrace the technology actually become better at their jobs, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, let's say you're like a lawyer, right? A lot of people are like, oh, lawyers are going to be like replaced. Well, like maybe like kind of like crappy lawyers, right?
0: But <laughs> like
1: the, the you know you know, lawyers that really understand what to do and like bring in AI to kind of like... Um, enhance their work, they're going to be able to do research faster, right? They're going to be able to understand um, the intricacies of the law faster, and they're going to be able to uh, potentially use that to their advantage when they go, um, you know, create agreements or deals or when they go to trial, et cetera, right? And so I think it can be um, quite enhancing if used properly. Um, In the world of, I think, like um, crypto plus NFTs, uh, you know, plus AI, um, that's Mm going to be quite interesting. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. Um so two two things I can talk about right away so um one thing that you know some people in the NFT community don't like is the fact that AI can now generate like art, movies, mm-hmm. things like that that are competing with like you know human creators right? right um so I think there's like some serious discussion debate that needs to happen there um I think it would be very sad if um you know human artists are basically made obsolete so I think there needs to be some sort of thing that like develops where you can almost attest that this was created by a human versus an AI. Um, On the other hand, I do think that like um, AI content generation is revolutionary, right? It's also very democratizing and empowering, right? Um, So uh, you can have someone that's like uh, younger and inexperienced start playing with stuff and start being able to generate content that other people want to consume. Um, It's almost like the YouTube movement, right? Like when YouTube came out, it allowed all these people with just like um, you know, little, little cameras to become film producers. Whereas, you know, five years prior, you'd have to have professional, you know, yeah. uh, people like filming for TV shows and movies and things like that. But this entire like industry of blogs, right? And, um, you know, short form content. And, you know, now we see it in the form of like, um, you know, reels on Instagram and these TikTok shorts. Like that's only been possible because of these enabling technologies, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that we'll see. Uh, A bit of that divisiveness uh, within the creator economy, just like happened with YouTube, right? Traditional media was like, hey, this is evil. This is a way for UGC to like, you know, steal our content or uh, compete against us. But for the rest of the creator economy, it was actually a really great thing. And eventually, traditional media embraced it as well, right? Everything is streaming now. And so I think this like AI thing is probably going to go through a similar um, journey where they're going to be like camps, right? People that embrace it versus people that like really look down on it. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, again, right? Mm-hmm. I think that with all new transformative technologies, um, they oftentimes create new opportunities but take other ones away. And um, it's us, as kind of users of the technology, it's up to us to figure out, like, hey, are we going to bring these into our lives and make the best of it? Because technology is definitely going to be here, right? You can't right. take away AI now that it's being built, right? Um, it, it, and it's just going to keep um, going. And so I would say, like, um Creators, like, figure out how to use it to your advantage, right? Don't yeah. lose your authentic sense of creating, like, um, from yourself, but, like, think about using it to, like, you know, perhaps enhance images or artwork, right? Or if you're a writer, uh, use it to, like, um, kind of um, do um, editing or be your um, um, kind of, like, idea generation thing for stuff, right? Like, there's ways to, like, bring it into your system to still be authentic as a creator, Um, without saying, hey, like, forget this AI thing, right? Um, So I think that's one um, interesting theme at the confluence of AI and um, NFTs. Now, there's another, um, and I think like more controversial um, take, which I I honestly haven't been able to wrap my head around yet, right? Which is like, there are some like ethos differences between um, AI and um, crypto. If you kind of like map out how um, both of these technologies could um, be successful, right? So mm-hmm. on the crypto side, it's all about uh, being permissionless, about um, um, open source, around right. uh, decentralization and distribution, um, basically like coordination of trustless actors um, and not really kind of like hoarding data, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the AI side, it's all about hoarding data, right. right? Like you think about, you know, crypto's complaints about advertising models and Web2 well, AI is hoarding even more data, right? And and in proprietary ways, um, at least to start, right? You have these big technology monoliths like Google uh, and Microsoft in the space. And OpenAI is a startup. It's like, um, you know, it's a seven-year startup that's like, you know, doing really, really well. um, And it's no longer this like nonprofit, right? And so Mm -hmm. there are some ethos things here where like a few companies might end up being extremely, extremely powerful because they have the network effects of, Um, that data. And then they have users training that data, right? Because like a Google will have billions of users versus a new AI startup might have like 50 users, right? And so that's where Google has an advantage. And so I think that's one thing that we need to be um, conscious of and um, think about what's the best way that we as a society can adopt AI. Like um, I would hate to see AI be really run by like two or three companies across the world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and that would make AI very powerful, but would also make those companies um, too powerful, in my mind, right? right. <clears throat> um, but I haven't quite figured out, like, how do you actually have a more decentralized and open uh, version of AI? So there are mm-hmm. um, some companies working on, like, open source uh, um, uh, LLMs and other types of AI models, and so um, definitely hope that they have um, successful forces in the race. Um, and I think there's also potentially... Um, possibilities of like um, the usage of AIs being a little bit more decentralized, right? Here's a crazy idea, right? No one has done this yet. I'm not saying anyone should do this, but uh, in a few years, right, if there are literally like, you know, millions of different AI agents, right, that people have customized or trained on different models or added specific feature sets to, um, those agents are almost in a way like um, distributed workers in the cloud, right? And maybe... Uh, we end up having a marketplace where people can use these different agents, right? Um, and actually, in that case, like cryptocurrencies and NFTs may actually be a great um, partner to AI. Um, so think of a world where you have all these different like autonomous agents that mm-hmm. you're supposed to pay for in an open marketplace. Well, what's the best way to pay for them? Well, digital pavement rails right so crypto right right? so imagine that like we as users are you know sending some usdc or some ogn token or you know whatever some new ai token is to these agents as a way of paying for their services right also imagine a world where these ai agents um are interacting with each other and need to do value transfer and they can actually use crypto Mm. rails to pay each (laughs) other right wow so you may have like an ai agent that's like really good at research and then another AI agent that's all about taking that research and like, you know, producing, um, you know, a video, right? So um, those AI agents may work in tandem and need to like actually do value transfer across, right? Um, and then another way to think about it is like, well, all these AI agents um, probably share some commonalities, but they also have specific parameters, right? Um, you know, which, which uh, GPT model are they using? Or um, how did you configure it? What data sets did you put in? What are like other certain attributes? Um, that are kind of like related, but then non-fungible. Well, guess what? That could potentially tie into like NFTs, right? Mm-hmm. And so potentially you have a world where like um, having access to the NFT gives you access to the agent, right? And so mm-hmm. I can see a world where um, me as a collector, not a collector of art, right? But a collector of um, apps and use cases in like five or 10 years, I'm like actually buying NFTs. And these NFTs are basically like my subscription passes, Um, To to, to use uh, these autonomous agents, similar to how right now I buy like a subscription to Spotify or I buy a subscription to Netflix, right? Well, maybe in the future, I'm collecting these NFTs that give me access to different tool sets. Um, And so that's one kind of like really far field, uh, long term uh, way I think that AI and crypto NFTs could come together, um, despite some of the uh, ethos challenges I mentioned earlier on um, Mm -hmm. here. Um, so I'm excited to see if all of that plays out. Um, who knows? I'm just kind of like um, trying to see into the future, but there's so many variables yeah. at play. I could be dead wrong about all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> or maybe there's a silver lining of truth here where
0: um, maybe we're onto something. No, yeah. no, I think you're definitely onto something. and Thank you for that comprehensive breakdown of you know what it could be because uh, a lot of us are behind kind of like the eight ball in this and you you are peeking behind the curtain more so than the average person. So I think that whatever far-fetched, you know, applications for AI. I think they're going to happen because I've asked many technology, you know, tech people behind this in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And a lot of people are working on the solutions that, you know, that you mentioned. Um, yeah. So let's we're going to bring it back to NFTs to wrap things up. I, yeah, I know that perfect. was the last question, but here's the last one. Yeah. Any fun and interesting NFTs that you collect? And, and I'll go first. Um, I love my, I actually have Starbucks NFTs that give mm. have 30 days of free Starbucks. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> True and and me right have, there. Yeah, absolutely. And I also have a Las Vegas restaurant NFT, uh, free food for life. Uh, shout yeah. out to them, Chubby Cattle, the X Pot and Venetian. So if you're ever there. Uh, so those are kind of like my two favorite NFTs today because I actually get use cases out of them. Do you, do you collect or enjoy any NFTs? Oh yeah, of
1: course. Um, uh, A lot of my NFTs are more on the art or PFP side, um, obviously. So, you know, I've collected NFTs from some of the celebrities we've worked with, right? So I have like NFTs from Blau and Paris Hilton, right? And those are more like art, right? Uh, I also participate uh, in the uh, NFT communities that we're working with at Origin right now, right? So like I have a Pungie Penguin, right? Um, We're not working with um, Yuga Labs directly, um, at least not yet. Um, or Zuki, but those two are like two of the best projects. And, you know, I have a bunch right. of NFTs there. I think what Yuga is doing with like, you know, um, building these games, right? They're building like four or yeah. five games. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out, um, the next year. Um, and I did tell the guys at Roofstock when I'm uh, ready to buy a house, uh, we can do it as an <laughs> NFT, uh, and then I can have an NFT of the house. Uh, so, so still got to look there. Um, so there's definitely a, a bit of that. Um, and then I think, um, what I would be really excited about um, going forward, I think are some of these like new NFTs that will have utility, like you said, right? Like whether that's access to a restaurant or in real life experience. Um, so I'm looking forward to the industry producing more of these so that like NFTs are not just um, in my, you know, ledger, right? they are also things that I'm like using in the uh, offline world. So uh, yeah, excited
0: about all that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing so much with us. Uh, We got to have you back on because we talk more about what's happening than I feel origin protocol uh, deserves a little bit more time in the future, but I'm definitely going to put all the links down below. I'm going to check you guys out because you are doing, you know, innovative pioneering stuff in the space. I'm so excited to see that. Um, And so for a way for people to connect to you.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Again, happy to come back and just riff about uh, updates and uh, new innovations. I'm sure like, everything's going to look different in another three months, (laughs) in another six months, right? Like the space moves so fast. And especially when you're talking about like crypto and then these other uh, adjacent industries, whether that's like AI or whatever it might be, um, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that technology, the rate of technology is going like exponential, right? And so it's hard to keep up, but it's really fun too.
0: Yeah, I've been saying it's dog years, but it's more like, you know, double dog years, whatever it is in a week with with the onset of this new technology that's coming on. So yeah, we would love to have you back to talk all about that stuff. I appreciate yeah. your time. We took more than you know, than we out for So thank you so much.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Thanks so much.